Snap, snap, snap. 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 <laughs> and the guys in the back. Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast for the ITV series Midsummer Murders. We cover each and every episode: the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. How's that? Excellent. That was close. Yeah. From memory. Yeah. That's close. Uh, if you can't let your kids join in the digital versus analog fight in the streets, they probably can't handle. Probably the podcast. can't handle this episode. I saw TV 14 on the upper corner when I rewatched it this time. I'd never noticed before. I think Amazon has added some of those. Uh, it makes no sense at all. God. The closest thing is there's like... There's nipple. The briefest hint of nipple. No, there's actual nipple. There's actual nipple? Yeah, in color. Okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, you gotta be 14 to know about nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well... A couple of announcements before we start. First of all, uh, one of our Twitter followers listens to our show in two and a half speed. We tried this. <laughs> we, we just sound like demented chipmunks. <laughs> we do. So we have a surprise for Steve. Yes. So, Steve, if you're listening at two and a half speed, this is for you. Hi, Steve. Is this slow enough for you? Okay, so it, I slowed that down. So you're, <laughs> by you're, two and a half times, yeah. so it'll be the right speed to Steve, yeah. which will be a surprise when he's listening at two and a half times speed. <laughs> the rest of you, your podcast player is not broken. No, not, whatever. Who uses a podcast? Play? Your podcast player. <laughs> if you're listening on an old iPod Shuffle, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> On your analog podcast play. Yeah. You know, Matt, there's somebody out there who converts digital podcasts to reel-to-reel and listens to them that way. I that's what Headley would do. Now have to do this. If Headley was going to listen to a podcast, that's how yep. he would do it. Yep. <clears throat> uh, second of all, I want to talk about Filk on Twitter, who posted a date night uh, bingo card to both the Reddit and the Twitters this week. For, uh, yeah, it's a Midsummer Murder bingo card. Which was fun. But also, uh, she is the Sherlockathon host, which is a four week reading adventure where you can share your love of Sherlock Holmes in all his arch- incarnations and even win prizes. So if you're interested in Sherlock Holmes, look. Her up and uh, join the Sherlockathon. Yeah, that's a super cool event. Yep. And finally, the weirdest email we've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark is the one who monitors our inbox, and he got this email, and he sat down, and he was like, okay, I have to read this to you. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know where this email was going <laughs> at no point. <laughs> Chelsea, that you made our morning the other day. <laughs> so not only does Chelsea say that she's been listening, she's been watching Midsummer since she was like seven or eight. Yep. Which makes me feel ancient, but it has been on for a long time. But her child, who is about that age, yep, overhears her listening to Midsummer Maniacs. Right. 
So she's heard my voice, apparently. Yes. So they're in the car, and they're listening to the Space Jam soundtrack. By Quad City DJs. And Chelsea's daughter says, Mom, that's the murder show lady. She's on the soundtrack. So, apparently, I did a little ditty on the Space Jam soundtrack and didn't know. Now, the Space Jam soundtrack sounds like this. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. That's not me. No. Just for... You're not in Quad City DJs? I'm not. I didn't keep that on the down low as a secret from you. You're I should not, have learned some of those lines and sang it, but... You're not riding the train? No. The other Quad City DJ big no. hit? No. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> but I'm flattered, because that lady has a nice voice. Hi, Chelsea, and hi, Chelsea's daughter. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, last thing before we get into the show that I want to talk about is last call for t-shirt ideas we're going to start compiling them and start looking for charities and all that good stuff yeah yeah so So, if you've got fun ideas keep them coming send them along somebody sent one this week for bunny cakes yeah yeah yeah. bunny cakes are great bunny cakes are fantastic we've we've got lots of great ideas i'm just excited to start doing some design yes so this episode filmed in october and november of 2006 Broadcast the 3rd of June, 2007, to 7.31 million views. By the way, I got to tell you, okay, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it's this way. I will try to investigate it for next week. But the next show broadcast schedule is Shot at Dawn, which is season 11 Episode one. Mm-hmm. But there are two more shows in this season that were broadcast after that. They shuffled it around, huh? I, I don't know why the seasons are weird like this. So we're going to follow the season, one. not the broadcast. Yeah, we're going to follow the season, not the broadcast. And okay. I checked three places and they're all like this. Hmm. So I don't know why it's like it, but... Maybe there was some legal thing they needed to clear up before it could broadcast or... No, no. It, well, yeah. The, the other two episodes yeah. in this series. Maybe they had to delay them for some reason. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Stuff happens. Maybe somebody knows. Uh, directed by... By Richard Halthouse and written by Andrew Payne. This also has another whiff of episodes written by men. Don't really do the female characters the best in this episode. It's really all about men. Yeah. And how they are useless articles, apparently. Yes. (laughs) According to Mrs. Madrigal. And I also want to clear up a mistake I said last week, which was that the, the Wikia didn't have the interesting descriptions of the deaths it does i just missed it for last week so so it has this week's too great so so we don't have to come up with those so the other thing i have to correct is last week when we as we wrapped up and we alluded to this episode being next we both were under the mismemory that said photographed his fish fingers and peas and it's actually a veggie burger and peas which I is was sure it was not, fish fingers. It's not British to have a veggie burger and peas. They don't nope. go together. Nope. Not like fish fingers and peas. So. What about canned versus frozen versus fresh? The color is really exciting. Seb is so problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but we have another fantastic cold opening where Mark spends 
the first page of his notes on the first 20 seconds of the episode. <laughs> because not only is there a Western Master 5 light meter, which you can get for about 50 bucks mm-hmm. on eBay, but a Rolly Rolleiflex 35F. That is an expensive little camera he yeah. has there. Probably about 1500 bucks. I looked at the exact model. The closest I could find was about 1500 bucks. Looks a bit like a brownie. Yeah, it looks... Is b- it just later than a brownie? Yeah, it's a little it's bit... It's pretty old camera. It's a camera. little bit later than brownie, but yeah, it's very nice camera. And then Steve Bright shows up, and he has a DX2, which is also a very nice camera at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Like, they did a good job of including the latest... Digital. They've done their research yeah. regarding photography. Though, the little handheld digital cameras that we'll get to. <laughs> Maybe not the best. Though the um, one of the websites that I read, I, what I was looking for was photographers having opinions about this episode. Yeah. And one of the things that they pointed out on the discussion boards on photo.net was that Lionel's camera wouldn't make those sounds. And if it did, it was broken. <laughs> Like they, somebody said, if my if my Rolly made clicks like that, I'd be worried. Because they do like a great job of inserts of showing him turn the knobs mm-hmm. and how this is all an analog process, and it sets up the whole analog versus digital right away with especially Lionel and Steve Bright, which is the largest uh, uh, scarlet fish ever introduced yeah it's it's really it's yeah it's a red herring it's just horrid anywho it's really fun so then we're into luxton deeping and the center of this episode which is really the camera shop so why when lionel is so careful about the exposure and light levels and everything else about his photograph of that damn tree is he not careful enough not to just drop his light meter every time. Also, could he not hear Steve Bright breathing and <laughs> coming up to him? Like, <laughs> I mean, the analog guys all wear the safari vests. They've got all those pockets. That's what all the pockets are for. Yeah. You put your equipment back in your pocket. You don't just drop it at your feet every time you're going to take a picture. But they need to establish that for when Seb kills him. I know. Why does Seb kill you him? You can't strangle oh, somebody with the lanyard that. from a light meter if yeah. they don't drop it. I yeah. Don't, I don't know. But the fact that Steve Bright shows up out of nowhere... In the middle of this forest that's quiet enough that we could hear these dials being yeah. turned. Like, you would obviously be like, Steve, what are you doing? Yeah, when he's like 100 meters away, you'd be like, oh, great, Plus here Steve comes Steve. Steve would drive up in his Tesla. It's a Ferrari, I think. Or whatever he's got. I, I think I'd hear the squeak of his leather jacket from yeah. 50 yards. <laughs> his pixels. So we have this this whole the whole framework of the story is that there are these analog photographers in which their safari vests led by Headley Madrigal, which is just a great name. Yeah, and it suits sh- him perfectly. The shop is called Madrigal. It's established in 1928. Yeah, Eddie Carfax, who we'll get to the bell ringer, the bell ringer, <laughs> the former and bell then ringer, Lionel Bell, no relation, right. To you? Yeah. Right. And his ex-wife, Marion Bell, who is not Marilyn Bell, who was the first woman to swim across the channel. Thanks for that tangent. Uh, it's you know all about Bell's. It's my name. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And then on the other side, we have Steve Bright and his goons, who are the leather jacket wearing digital photographers. Punky posse. Yeah. (laughs) Of Luxton Deeping. And of course, they've got conflict because this year, the three people apparently. Eddie, Headley, and Lionel are the Luxton Deeping Photography Society, (laughs) and they get to decide unilaterally that digital photos will not be allowed in the annual exhibition, to which Steve is non-happy about. So when I was a kid in the town that I lived in, there was a Photoshop just like this, right? But even when I was a kid, that guy was really into digital stuff, too. Like, he knew what was coming and knew that, digital would be really cool. Yeah, I, I had to laugh when, when Headley stands up at the exhibition and says, my grandfather, Casper Madrigal, started the Luxton Deeping Photography Society and no computers were allowed. Like, yeah, because it was 1920, dude. <laughs> <It> was 1928. <laughs> they didn't have to be in the rules because it wasn't a thing. And the other thing is... The, in 1928, this would have been a pretty advanced thing that he was doing. Like, he would have been like, the people doing charcoal drawings would have been like, oh, I don't know about this photography. Yeah. It's just automatic chemical stuff. And there's no artistic merit to it at all. Like, it leaves that whole decision behind. So. No digital cameras allowed here. Yes. So, first of all, it took me a little while to find this place because the first thing that we see that you can read the Swan Hotel, Mm. right? I'm just here to tell you, there are a number of Swan Hotels. Like there are the feathers too? Yes, as well as the Aga Shop. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm never going to find this place because it is surrounded by generic stores, right? But I did find it. It's... In a town called Tim. Tame. Spelled like Thames without the S. Yeah, it's Thames without the S. Um, And it's on, uh, the shop would be on 8 Upper High Street, which is the most English name ever. Yes. Right now, it's Rumsey's Handmade Chocolates. Oh, that's cool. It's their second location of master chocolatier, Nigel Rumsey. And if you go to their website, first of all, it does make, you, you look at his chocolates, I'm like, if we go to England, we're going to this chocolate shop. <laughs> and second of all, um, the second thing was, it, it's like a really nice story. Like he started making chocolates in his house and then people started coming over to his house to get chocolates. And he, you know, he's like a little success story. And I don't know if I, I think if I owned that storefront, I would still have the no digital cameras sold here sign up. No, in front. I, I checked in the window. I checked in the window. <laughs> I would just be a little inside joke. Yep. I, so I, that town is a little weird too. The guys who, the slow-mo guys from YouTube mm-hmm. used to live there. And the other weird thing that I wanted to get to, I talked about, is the weird structure of that city center where you put the cars in the middle and you have high streets on either side. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing that I've only ever seen in England, but it's in a couple of different episodes. Yeah, it's not weird. It's actually very sensible. We just don't do it here in the U.S. Well, because it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> so we put all of our parking on the outskirts of the downtown yep. to make it as inconvenient as possible rather than making parking you know, centrally located and easy to access. Well, Steve is pissed about this. Mm-hmm. 
Not about the parking. No. He is pissed about not being allowed to use digital photography. Well, and Andrew Tiernan, who plays Steve Bright, he has that, well, he's a ginger and he has that kind of overbearing brow. He, he is so perfectly He cast. does angry really well. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's really good at that stern scowl thing. He has to make an effort not to look mad, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he fits that part really well. So I have a note that Sonia is the most unconnected, uninterested wife of all time. <laughs> How could you not be? I have certain interests, and I have friends that I hang out with that, with this interest. I worry that I'm already turning into these people. No, no. And But to Sonia's credit, she doesn't let any of it bother her, and she is... She treats them like boys. Yes. Like they're a gang of boys that are yep. always up to something that she's not interested in, and she's just going to do her, do her thing, right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Headley takes this photograph every day at 9 a.m. Yes. And his family has been doing this for three generations. Which is, you know, you, you see these videos every once in a while on YouTube. I took a picture of myself every day for five years. Yeah. And those are incredibly interesting to watch. Yeah, they are. But they're interesting because they've been digitized, so they're, you can see them at a fast sequence. Yes. But just imagine the photo books of this photo. Yes. <laughs> You'd have, like, hundreds of photos at a time where nothing is any different, except there's a different person on the sidewalk. Or... That hit home when I did the sidewalk view on Google Maps of the Chocolatier shop. Mm -hmm. and it looks almost exactly the same <laughs> as it does in the show. That car's been parked there for more than 30 minutes, I can tell you that. I just thought it was interesting. And I, I, I just kept wondering how Headley, Lionel, and Eddie make a living. I mean, so, so Lionel is a quantity surveyor. Do you know what that means? No. Um, and I don't think this is the first quantity surveyor we've had in Midsummer. I feel like I've looked this up before, but I searched my notes and I couldn't find it. Um, but they are, um, they're an expert on construction costs and contracts. Okay. So their job is they work for like general contractors and they do all of the sort so of accounting. So he would cross paths with Steve Bright. I would think so. Um, unless, no, I don't know. Steve Bright does home kitchens fitted yeah. kitchens you wouldn't have a quantity surveyor for a home no, project it would be yeah. more for like a industrial or a business okay. kind of building um and I, I think a lot of them are uh they work for the government okay to control costs on public projects so he has a job is my point yes but the other two headley's business cannot be making any money whatsoever how does he make any money i assume that he just has old money and they can just afford to maintain their lifestyle maybe and they live there in the shop it's not like they've yeah. got a big home somewhere but eddie i don't know what he does okay first of all we need to separate Eddie, the character, from Adrian Scarborough's portrayal of him. Because Adrian Scarborough does a great job. Yeah. And okay? this isn't the first he's, time we've seen him. He's in a great Midsummer, actor. Right? He's in the yeah. Bell Ringer episode. Yeah. He, we've seen him in tons of stuff. We saw him in a Death in Paradise the other night. Mm -hmm. He's a great actor. One of our favorite actors. He does this kind of character so well. Mm -hmm. But this character, not only morally... <laughs> But character-wise, is just, like, he almost doesn't need to be there, no. too. But then we wouldn't have the incredible scene 
when Headley announces to them which of their photographs will be on the poster for the annual exhibition. It's the first time we see Eddie's photographs, and it is brilliant. Adrian Scarborough (laughs) deserves a BAFTA for that performance alone because he loses... To Lionel and the range of emotion that goes through his he's, face. He's uh, he's not a sore loser. No, he does a good job. He gets there, but he starts yeah. as a yeah, sore loser. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know, his face goes through a lot of stuff. But then at the actual exhibition, when he's acting as if he is the artiste explaining his work to the crowd, yeah. it's like. <laughs> Getting this kitten's paws on the edge of this basket was very difficult. And, you know, like, he is so serious. <laughs> he's so good. Headley says he's the finest photographer of domestic animals in the Southeast. That's really specific. <laughs> it is. It's like if I said, you're the finest man named Mark Bell I've met in a while. <laughs> You know, it's just qualified, 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 wrapped in a compliment. Yes. The other person we meet in the shop is Philly. Yeah. Philomena. Who I... I love her, but you just want to shake her. You know, she's not as backward as I remembered her being. Yes. And the wardrobe people do an excellent job with okay. her if so she's played by montserrat lombard mm-hmm. which is quite a name for montserrat sp- lombard yes she's a beautiful woman yep and in other shows she certainly appears as a beautiful woman they give her glasses that are about 20 years old yeah they dress her in the frumpiest things they can find yeah that are subdued colors yet ugly patterns yes Hide her from wrist to ankle, and then I swear they put just a little bit of grease in her hair. Just a little before bit. they comb it down, yeah. just so it looks like it hasn't been washed for a few days. Not it's- dirty, but just not its best. And then she, and then she does that part super well. I, what I hope, and jumping to the end, is that Philly stays in London and becomes. The best, most beautiful bookbinding lady ever. Oh, my God. She has a transformation. She has a total makeover for the last three minutes of the show. Yes, she does. Montserrat Lombard is in a really good series that I caught on Shudder. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but it's Neil Gaiman's Likely Stories. Yeah, she's in a bunch of those. She's in several of them. They're kind of like Twilight Zones. Each one is a different story. And... And she's really good in, in all of the roles that she plays in this. So if you like Neil Gaiman and she's you're okay in, being a little bit creeped out, find Likely Stories. It's really good. She's in Ashes to Ashes, too. Yeah. Well, she's in a ton of things. She's in a bunch of stuff. But this is the first place I had ever seen her. And she, yeah, she's so mousy to the max. It's awesome. The Don't fact say that, she's that in, word in the show. Oh, my God. Headley's response to things that are digital is so extreme. And then we're taken to the Barnabies, and my notes just begin... Oh, Imogen. <laughs> um, can I ask a question before we go there? Yeah. So Headley says no computers will be used in the making of the poster yeah. for the exhibition. Yeah. And we see it. It's a really well-produced little, almost like a postcard yeah. that has Lionel's photo of the tree on it and then text overlaid. How would he have done that without a computer? Uh, he would have cut the pic. He hand drew each one of them. <laughs> 
all I could think was that maybe he handed it off to somebody else and they used a computer. <laughs> so it wasn't him. I'm like, okay, he didn't like hand draw the letters and then photograph the photograph with the letters placed on top of it. Because that's the only way you would have done it, right? Yeah. Is to make a new photograph that includes the letters. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Ugh. And he didn't do that. No. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so then Spellman and Imogen are at the Barnabys. So this is the end of the workday. And they've come by to deliver their wedding invitation in person. And deliver it, which is weird considering he hates Barnaby. See, I don't think he does. I, I think, think he's jealous of Barnaby. Yeah, I think he respects Barnaby and he's jealous of Barnaby. But since he's not a good person, he doesn't think, I aspire to be more like him. He thinks, I'm going to take him down so I can be him. I'm going to show off to him. Yeah. In a way that he doesn't value at all. Poor Harry Kittredge gets thrown under the bus. <laughs> it drives Tom to drink. Very much. We've never met Spellman before, though, right? I mean, nope. he's brand new. Spellman is brand new. That's what I thought. And he's only an inspector. As, yep. as I understand, he is an yep. inspector. Tom is a DCI, so yep. he is senior to Spellman. But Spellman is in this bureaucratic position where he doesn't actually participate in any investigations. He's more of a managerial inspector, I guess. Which, okay. Like he's HR inspector or something. <laughs> Here's the problem I have with this, right? The reason why I'm not a police detective is that you have to be a uniform guy for a long time before you become a detective. Right. You can't join the force and become a police detective. Yeah, it's not like the army where you can join as an officer. No. It's, it's not like that. So Spellman and everybody else in the police department spends years in uniform first. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't act like it at all. No, no. Jones acts like it. Jones remembers what it's like to now, be in uniform. You know, I don't know if you're right, though. I don't know if that's actually the case with modern police anymore. It is. It is the case in Indiana because I may have looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that there are, I, no, I don't know, they may be considered civilian employees of the police. People like analysts who who are officers, there, but who have never served There in may uniform. be those positions now, but none of those people would take over an investigation like no, Spellman does. No, I mean, his biggest responsibility is to write this report about the reshuffle of the management. Email? What email? What is email? <laughs> email. And Jones is like, I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it. <laughs> I've never been in a job, and I manage a lot of people, but I've never been in a job where anybody else was responsible for triaging my email. No. It's never happened. No. And it would be weird. It would be. But I would trust Jones to do it. Joyce just loves these people. Well, Joyce is just nice. I guess so. But this is Spellman's third marriage. Yes. And Tom says, well, that's triumph over, triumph of hope over experience. Yes. Have you ever heard that before? No. So it's an Oscar Wilde quote. Okay. And the, the full quote is, marriage is the triumph of imagination over intelligence. Second marriage is the triumph of hope over experience. <laughs> We're, we're second marriage. We're second marriage. I know. Oscar Wilde was full of shit. <laughs> I reject his thing. I think Imogen dodges a bullet not marrying him because he is a so. jerk. Okay. We're off to the Luxon Deeping Society, Camera Society annual exhibition. The 78th annual. It's the pocket vests 
the safari vests versus the leather jackets. They hang out in like clicks. Yep. And it's, Ed, it's redonkulous. And Eddie <laughs> is like, why don't you come up to my studio and I'll take some pictures of your cat. Yeah. <laughs> your kitty kitty. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Eddie. Well, you said you said right off the bat to me when we were prepping, you said, one thing I have learned is that in midsummer, all photographers are perverts or murderers. And yes. I said, except Headley. Except Headley. And he's neither of those, but he's not good. No. Uh, poor Joyce gets cornered by Seb and hears all about the peas. And she does a great job. Like like a parent at a kindergarten art show. Yes. Like, oh, that's a dragon? Very good. You did a good job with that, you know? The following are the t-shirts that the Pixel Punks wear. The Pixel Punks have the best t-shirts. Are you ready? Yep. Tweak my pixels. Tweak my pixels. Check out the pixels on that. Yep. And real photographers do it with pixels. <laughs> Those shirts are the best. I know. Oh, but. Then we get the worst fake photo. Well, well, first of all, before the worst fake photo, we have the first West Side Story gang fight thing. <laughs> I'm going to attack you with my flash. It's like Lionel is a vampire. And He's like, ah, back My up. giant battery pack. I checked. The battery pack does not look like no. that for that camera. No. That giant battery pack is like, oh. And everybody laughs at him. Because it dies. I think the people who are there are on the analog team side. I guess. They're at least more sympathetic to them. Because Steve Bright is a big bully tracking down Lionel, who's an old man, moving backwards through a crowd out of fear. Yep. You got to cheer for Lionel. Because yep. Steve looks like an ass. Steve Bright deserves to die. Lionel, I don't know. Uh, that's a little extreme, I think. He's annoying, but, you know, he's a useless article. So but. we see the worst Photoshop of all time. Yeah, I thought the ones in last week's episodes were bad. But this one... <laughs> It so, is, and, and what I love is that everybody immediately knows that. Nobody falls and, for yeah, that photo. Okay. Nobody. The, the thing I really like about this episode is both Joyce and Jones never suspect Barnaby. No. They never go, are you sure? It's always, oh, well, how are we going to explain that? Why or, would somebody do that to and you? Joyce thinks the whole thing is the funniest thing ever. Well, she does until the hotel. She does And then she's a little kind of, huh? Yeah. Well, that's a little weird. But then she's like, hey, vouchers, let's go. <laughs> Free champagne. Okay. And there's <laughs> never any sort of, are you Tom? Do we need to have a talk about that? There's, there's none of no, that. No, no. And I also like that Headley, who is this guy who is so anti-digital, is still a good enough photographer that he understands that the shadows on the two figures in the photo are not the same. Well, yeah. It, and that tells him yeah. that's, that's not an original photo. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a Photoshop guy to know that. And it's just so... Bad. Yes. And it's Marion Bell who's kissing Tom. And then it's not just some lady. It's Lionel's, Somebody he dated. Yes. Lionel's ex-wife and a woman he dated. That's the best part of that. Tom's past. Yes. Well, that was when he was riding speedboats and stuff, right? Yep. So, <laughs> so Marion Bell is played by 
Lisa Goddard, which the magazine says that she was she in a lot of was um, in Bergerac. Bergerac. I almost wanted to call it Baccarat. <laughs> she yeah. was in a lot of Bergeracs. Yeah. Uh, where she enjoys a sparkling on-screen chemistry with Bergerac. Yeah. She plays Philippa Vale. And she can't be in the episode any more than she is because she's so big. Yes. You, you always say people eat scenery, and she mm-hmm. absolutely does in this absolutely. in this role. By the way, the, the recipe for this episode? Mm-hmm. Guess. The only time food is ever mentioned. Um, is it a veggie burger and peas? No, it's lentil lasagna. Oh, <laughs> that's close. <laughs> oh, it goes, Seb sticks with veggie burgers, but perhaps this whole wheat lasagna dish could tempt him to branch out. <laughs> no. No. The people who make this magazine are fantastic. Yes. We love them. Especially, there's a hand-drawn picture of the map of the little town in every issue. Yeah. Like that So you can see where things are. Is, it's often wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> it's probably really difficult to figure out. Oh my gosh, it must be impossible to figure it out sometimes. Cameras don't lie. People lie. Okay. No, people with computers lie. Yes, people with computers lie. I was like, uh, no, pictures lie all the time. <laughs> yes. So I fell into a rabbit hole at this point. Okay. As soon as we find out that Tom dated Marion. Yes. 30 years ago. He later says 34. Yes. And he dated her for five to six months. Joyce jokes that she was his rebound. Yes. So we're, we are to assume that soon after... Splitting with Marion, he met Joyce. Yes. And how old would you say Cully is at this point in Midsummer? 31, 32? Safe to say. The actor um, uh, who plays Cully, uh, Laura Howard, is exactly 30 years old. So if we say she's approximately the age of the character, which I, I think she's pretty darn close to, yeah. she's 30 at this time. Yeah. Now, this is before he says... 34 years, I'm thinking 30 years, and I'm thinking, wow, Joyce and Tom were efficient. Yeah. Right? They met, they got married, they had Cully right away. Right away. So I'm, I'm going to Google some stuff here. I'm going to figure this out because yeah. that seems really fast. Well, according to the books, Cully was conceived on their honeymoon. Okay. On a lake called Cully. Okay. And that's why she's named Cully, or it's a, the, it's, that's a shortened version of the name of the lake. I think it was in Geneva, if yeah. I remember right. So she was conceived on their honeymoon, so that timeline works out perfectly. Oh. I mean, it's a tight timeline, but it's yeah. tight, but okay. So Marion dumps him. He meets Joyce. They get married. Cully. Baby right away. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But there's no, in, even in that tight timeline, there is absolutely no question that Tom was done with Marion before he met Joyce. There's no implication of that. And there's the, Joyce never, th- no. She never worries about no. it. No. But I was, I was kind of surprised. Like Joyce and Tom seem like, you know, planning sort of people. They don't seem like haphazard people. So the fact that she got pregnant on their honeymoon, I guess they were just living it up and not thinking about consequences. Yep. Joyce is like, we should go out more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to get out of the house. All this stuff. This is exciting. Okay. First murder. Murder number one. Lionel taking pictures. Dropping his light meter again. 
he would hear somebody creeping up on him. Seb behind him with his veggie burger and pee breath. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the camera falls and it shows the tree. I really like that shot. That's a nice shot. I wish it showed like Lionel's hand or something. And the tree. Like a foreground and a background. Yeah, that That, would have been even better. But it's good. It's good. And... And that took some planning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was not an easy shot to get. And it's it's really good. They do a great job. So Lionel is strangled with the cord from his light meter, right? Not too long ago. And as soon as George starts inspecting his body, all I see of Lionel is incredible amounts of nose hair. Okay. (laughs) Nose hair everywhere. Nose hair that is still. Mm -hmm. I'll give him that as a corpse. He's doing a good job in that scene. The nose hair is not moving, but since it looks like it's made of black wire shoved up his nose, I don't think it moves when he breathes anyway. I think it tries to grab George's hand. I saw it kind of like if it did move, it was like to grab him. The it's like insert close-up of him taking the SD card out of the mouth is fantastic. But for the nose hair, (laughs) it's gross. a lot of nose hair there. But then Tom talks about the night before at the exhibition and acts as if he doesn't know what the argument was about. How did he miss what they were arguing about? At least the surface reason they were arguing. Maybe when they did the dance number, he wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) They really are. The the Jets and the... Oh, what's the other side called in West Side Story? The Sharks and the Jets, right? But which, which one would be which? I would have to say the analog would be sharks and the digital would be jets. Yeah. They really should have, as Steve like moved towards Lionel and Lionel starts to back up, there should have been a point where Steve falters a little bit and Lionel advances and Steve has to back up. Yep. And then they could go back and, and they forth. Can, they can snap then, fingers. They can't snap their fingers because they're holding cameras, but yeah. they snap the cameras. Snap, 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 snap. snap. <laughs> and the guys in the back. Especially when the pixel punks are on the street twirling their little silver cameras around their fingers. It's so stupid. (laughs) Okay. Did you notice the wine at Lionel's house? I saw it. Did you read the the label? No. What does (laughs) the label say? I don't know a lot about wine. Okay. Okay. So I looked at the label and it says Australian Crampola Chardonnay. Okay. And I don't know about wine, so I thought, Crampola, what the heck is that? I've never heard of Crampola. Yeah. It's made up. Oh, it's just made up. <laughs> it's almost Crapola. Yeah. Right? The only thing I could find online about Crampola was somebody saying, holy Crampola, because they had cramps. <laughs> now, the, the designers of this show, I wish they did it a little bit more. I wish they put a little more personality in some of the things. Well, it's clearly supposed to be super cheap wine yep. that they're serving at the ex- at, at the exhibition. And they have done it before. Like they use the same co- the same business name in a couple of places, right? Right. But when Spellman is looking at it, that list of wedding to dos, that should be full of crap, but it's <laughs> not. No, it's not. I got a shot of it. It's not. The best thing still is the Microsoft Manual of Style. Oh, in the magazine. That's, in the magazine. That's going to go down in history. But uh, Hadley says, Lionel was one of the finest photographers of trees I've had the pleasure to meet. 
again, you are the the friendliest Mark Bell I've met this week. Cherchez la femme. Never will we have a website. No. <laughs> no, never. Never mention that word. Seb eating the cookie is the strangest thing. He is obsessed what, with what goes in his mouth. Almost to the point of an eating disorder. Yeah. And I think F- Philomena refers to that. She says, well, at least I see you're eating more. That's good. Yeah. Those, I'm going to call them biscuits because we're in the UK, right? Bickies. Those bickies are a problem. Okay. Because not only does Seb take a bite out of a few of them and then put them back on the plate with the full ones, the yeah. only plate yeah. that people are supposed to be taking a cookie from and eating it. Yeah. But Spellman does the same thing. He comes in, he grabs a biscuit, he takes a couple bites off of it, he gets mad, he puts it back on the plate with my all no- the other my cookies. My note for that later on is maybe that's why Seb kills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tries to kill him. Because Seb gives him a look like, you touch my cookies! Yeah. <laughs> I know they look like they're supposed to be shared, but they're really just for me. There's ro- muggers roaming the woods high on drugs. Yes. That's who killed Lionel. Yes. According to Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're a mugger, it's a high target opportunity in the woods, right? That's where you're going to go. I will not chill. <laughs> okay. There is a problem. There is a quick picks store in another town it's in coston but there's one down the street from the the madrigal place too there is yeah i thought it was at the market no well they don't like that one because nigel doesn't work at that one yeah like (laughs) whoever works at that quick picks doesn't hook them up with with models and the whole thing is quaint now the whole idea of a photography store it's it's just like huh This entire episode is completely different now. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those movies where if somebody had just had a cell phone, none of it would have happened. It's it's Steve Bright and Steve Bright's photography now. Yeah. He's like, I like my digital camera and with my SD cards and all the kids are walking down the street with their phones, snapping pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And Headley's like, I won't get on Instagram. Don't mention it again. Seb's wrapping his pipes in burlap. Do you know why they're wrapped in burlap? No. It's to keep them from knocking against each other. Oh. Because I thought at first that they were insulation. Does banging on the pipes actually help? It would if it was a common place for an air bubble to trap. Oh, okay. That's the only reason why that would help. Otherwise, I hope nobody drinks that water because there's something in that pipe. (laughs) (laughs) That you have to knock loose to let the water go past. And um, yuck. Yeah. Did you take a look at Lionel's diary when Tom's looking at it? No. What else is in it? Lionel's got an interesting life. Okay. They, they make him sound like he's this poor, lonely man whose wife has left him and he's got nothing except quantity surveying and trees. Ask Emily about Sunday. Arrange a meeting. It's been far too long. Oh. Onions, gravy, black and white film, newspaper. Ooh. Pick up car at 4.30, exclamation point. <laughs> Drinks with Leanne and company. We Are, never hear of Who's Leanne? Leanne? Check lenses with Paul. Oh. Mm. Call Miriam. Call, uh, Miriam again? Walk Ann and Trevor's dogs. Feed dogs at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Oh. Call Greg and Phil about a meeting. Car boot sale. Lenses, cameras, etc. And then Barnaby at 9 p.m. 
<laughs> like Lionel's got, he's kind of busy. He is a busy guy. But, you know, none of those people are, are suspicious. Just Tom. Yes. So on the SD card are the most unsexy, sexy photographs of all time. Oh, my gosh. That wig is so, it's, it's like an Eva Gabor wig from Kmart. It's just horrible. I, I don't know how the actress, Carolyn Trowbridge, who plays Imogen, didn't say, have you men seen pinup photography? Imogen, who doesn't even get a last name. No, no last name. Even though she's the reason for everything. Yeah. Again, an episode written by men about men things with that men, many men, men, men. Women are uninterested, gold diggers, or mousy. Or they're the cause of the problem. Yeah. Cherchez la femme, yeah. right? Yeah. Find the woman. Search yeah. for the woman. Well, the real problem's Eddie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Spellman could, you could say Spellman is rude. You could say he's a different kind of policeman than Tom is. He's not old school. But I decided that I did not like him at all in one moment. And that moment is when he says to Jones, I hear you're in charge of the whip around for the wedding gift. The espresso machine is still available. Yes. Let me tell you what to buy me for a gift. Between that and the cookie, he's right out. Yep. Just, Absolutely. he's just rude. Now he's involved in the wedding, which is a good thing, but. Tiger prawns are expensive. Only two per serving. Yes. You can have two shrimp. And the band is either jazz or disco. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nothing in between. Maybe it's jazz disco. Jazz disco. So Steve and his gang come to the come to the Madrigal's photography store. Yes. Okay. The leather clad photo gang. Is yes. That, is that? This is when they're you know after they've spun their tiny cameras and around they their fingers. Break into the shop. They just shove. Yeah. I mean they're just crude. Yeah. But Headley comes out and has a little fit. Yeah. And the bald guy in Steve's crew says, keep your hair on, heads. <laughs> the bald guy says, keep your hair on. Keep your hair on. Do you know what that's a reference to? No. It's for it's when men used to wear wigs. Oh. And if you got angry while you were wearing a wig, you could whip your wig off and throw it in the ground and stomp on it. Oh. Because you were having a big tantrum. So mad. Like, that guy can't keep his hair on, obviously. That's probably flip your wig comes from that. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then they say that Steve's new camera is 12.2 megapixels. It is a DX2. That is the actual camera. It's a D2X. Nikon, D2X. It's a Nikon D2X. Is 12.2 megapixels a big deal? Uh, I guess it was at that point in time. Well, you're supposed to know this stuff, uh, photo man. It's, it's whatever. What's a hind? It's like a hound. Ah, so it's the Golden Hound Hotel. Yes. Yes, How? the allure of digital. The way that Seb and Eddie get turned on by Steve Bright's camera. Oh my gosh, his camera is his penis. And they want to touch it. Like, they, photo, they, they film it like yep. that. It's sticking out in front of him, yep. and it's got that long lens on it. Yeah, And he's like, you know, shoulders back and everything, and they're like... Oh, and then Headley, Headley knows he has the sense. He can tell when someone's about to go to the dark side and he doesn't have to look. He just yeah, says, Seb. Seb. And he knows. Yeah. Oh, he could sense that Seb he was about to touch it. Seb's way in the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how the Golden Hind Hotel got Tom and Joyce's address. They say 
that they had it on some old mailing list. What I think happened is they looked up Tom Barnaby in the phone book. You think a policeman would be listed? Yeah, I think on the white pages, Tom Barnaby, Barnaby, Tom. Well, I thought they'd be extractory because it would make you safer as a policeman. I guess. You'd want to protect your home. and Maybe. Make sure it's farm salmon, not the other kind. It's wild, not wild. farmed. Wild, not farmed. That's right. And Imogen is arriving by horse and carriage. But then they're riding away in a white rolls. Yeah. Four of them, apparently. <laughs> I love how Tom responds to Spellman taking over the investigation. We don't see this kind of interforced drama very often in this show, which is one of the reasons why I like Midsummer is that they don't have the police politics that are like the center of the story in there's, a lot of There's a lot not of other a boss shows. that Barnaby's always threatening to quit. Yeah, and, and somebody's not trying to undermine him all the time. They basically let him do his job because he's good at it and everybody gets out of his way. But when Spellman takes it over, clearly somebody above both of them has made that decision. Yes. Because Spellman isn't senior to Tom. No. He couldn't just decide. But Tom acts a little bit affronted by it. But then, you know, Spellman tells him to go home. And he's like, okay. And then he just goes and does whatever the F he wants to. And Spellman, <laughs> yeah. and Spellman is completely like, like the actor does a really good job of overcompensating on crime scenes with talking about stuff he knows about, which is cost and policing and things mm-hmm. like that. And not paying attention to what's actually going on. Yeah. He doesn't care about seeing the body. He just wants to know why there are so many people standing around doing nothing. Yeah. And like Jones is a good job of, I'm going to lead you through this to help I'm you. I'm not going to hold your hand like Barnaby does. Okay. okay. <laughs> we have the Photoshop killing. We find out that the lady who kissed Tom in the street, that the photo is sourced from, kissed him like five weeks ago. Yeah. So Seb has been working on this for a while. Okay. This is the major problem with this episode. Okay. The major problem with this episode is there is no inciting incident to kill Lionel or Steve Bright. An inciting incident would be great. Like, for example, we have a scene where, I don't know, Eddie Carfax shows Seb these risque pictures that he just took Mm -hmm. and Seb sees it and recognizes Imogen and then goes, now I have to kill. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, but he's known about the photos for a while. And Eddie goes, you know, it was Steve Bright and Lionel. So there we have an inciting incident for him to kill. There's none of that. The only thing we can assume is that maybe Seb somehow heard that Imogen was engaged Maybe. And then he decided that he needed to stop anybody who was going to get between him and Imogen, his imaginary relationship with her. There's definitely a problem with inciting incident here. So five weeks ago, he paid a woman to kiss Barnaby in the street with the intent of Photoshopping, using somebody else's computer, I guess, Photoshopping... Those two pictures together. Well, he says he uses the guy Quick Picks pictures. Oh, he, he uses Nigel's computer? How on earth does Nigel let him, like... I don't know. Yeah. Um, and about five weeks ago is when Spellman went to the Golden Hind with Imogen. 
But it, no, that had to be longer ago because he was married to somebody else. He so couldn't now, have, he couldn't have he got goes divorced. There, he goes there five times with her. So I'm thinking like 10 weeks ago, a full two and a half months before is the first time that Spellman and Imogen go to the hind. Mm-hmm. And somebody from the hind calls uh, Seb and tells him that Imogen is there with somebody. How does that person... Well, first of all, Seb has no friends. No. Let's be honest. Second of all, how do, like? How does that person know that Imogen is important to Seb? Yeah. Ex- exactly. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. It's just... It, but let's just... We're just going to pretend. Okay. Right? We're just okay. going to pretend. Okay. Pretend. That Seb somehow like, finds out... We're going to pretend like lying your head on the computer changes the color of an image? We'll get there. <laughs> We're just going to pretend that Seb somehow heard from his friend that Imogen was at the hotel with this guy named Barnaby yep. and that maybe they were engaged or something or other. Yeah. Or maybe they were staying the night, whatever. So he decides, I got to take this Barnaby guy down. So I'm going to find out who he is, Yeah. which he does somehow. I'm going to follow him night and day somehow. Somehow. And then I'm going to lure him to this market with with a death, a suspicious death that nobody else knows anything about. And they don't send a constable or anything like that. They send Tom, but it's, but nothing happens. And so then he pays this woman to kiss him so that he can then have the photograph that he then shops together with Marion. And he's going to put that in the exhibition. This is, this is way forward planning. Okay. That's not very well done because all he would have to do is follow Imogen for five minutes and she would see, he would see that she's with Spellman. Yep. And if you're obsessed with somebody, wouldn't you be following them? I would think so. Okay. But we can't expect Seb to make any sense. You're a lady who Mm -hmm. works in a veggie shop. Mm -hmm. How much do I have to pay you to kiss a man that that you don't know so that I can take a picture of it on the street? Even if you tell me that it's a -a kissogram? Yeah. um, No. Yeah. Because I don't know how he's going to react. Yeah. He could punch me in the face. Yeah. Or, Or... or have me arrested for assault. Yeah. For kissing him. Yeah. <laughs> but not veggie lady. She's like, oh, okay, it's a kissogram. Yeah. Well, she, <laughs> she bustles down that street every day, so she doesn't <laughs> care. <laughs> Never has a woman who is a middle-aged woman who's slightly overweight move so quickly. Oh, man. And she can blend into a crowd like nobody's business. Disappear. But Spellman is a sententious git. Dun, 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 dun. I had to look sententious up. Sententious. What is sententious? Like uh, crowing about your morality over other people. Okay. Like I'm better than you, whatever. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so Steve dies while demonstrating Photoshop to his killer who is there wearing gloves, but doesn't make him suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a camera around. <sighs> Why does Steve only take pictures of sunsets? I don't know. I don't understand that. Why does when his head go on the keyboard, it doesn't go like all keyboards did then? Yeah. Yeah. If you held down a button for too long, the buffer would get full and then it would just beep at you, right? And I can tell you, I know Photoshop inside and out and I don't know any kind of like keyboard shortcut you can press with your forehead that would just cycle through different color modes like that. (laughs) But it is uh, Photoshop. It is actual Photoshop. So they must have paid some kind of license to have it in there. Because it's not like Photoshop, you know? <laughs> no. It's not photo with an F or okay. something like they I do also, in other episodes. I also don't understand this. Why does Steve Bright give a 
damn. Okay? First of all, he obviously has enough charm to get young ladies to appear half naked in pictures with him. He lives in a multi-million dollar house. He's in a multi-million dollar. His business. His house is beautiful. He has the top of the line camera. And he has Little Birdie's photo studio. Yeah. Did you see that? that the little Birdie's. Little Birdie's. Little I don't understand birdies. that. I don't know why Steve Bright has anything to do with these people other than the very, like, he's walking along, he sees Lionel, he makes fun of him. Like, I don't know why they even go to the exhibition. I don't know. I I could imagine that Steve wants to be respected as an artist. I can understand. And he thinks that being part of the exhibition would bring him that that attention, and they control the exhibition, so... I don't know. Maybe. I just, I'm left going, why is Steve Bright so unhappy? Mm-hmm. Mom, he's divorced, and everybody in the village thinks he ran off Marion, who clearly needed no help in doing that. No. <laughs> no. So, Jones finds the studio, finds the chaise lounge, where he goes, it's like the one in the picture. I'm like, no, it's not. It's the one in the it picture. It is the one in the picture. <laughs> and here's a stiletto boot. That's not Steve's boot. <laughs> now I'm just imagining Steve wearing those boots. Wow. <sighs> so then we get an indication of Phil's personality when she talks about her mom and that she protects her dad when she comes back. I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. Lionel was a good guy. Yep. And her mother is nothing but heartache for him. Yeah. So no, she can't come back. Phil is great, what she does there. Yeah. But she does lie. And now she admits that she did see her mom five weeks ago. Yes. Her mom is back in the UK. Yeah. Because she quit the gym where she was working in Spain. Yes. Tom is supposed to be home. He just keeps investigating. He just doesn't care. He just does not care at all. Nope, not Takes at all. Takes evidence from... You supposed to take that? No. Puts it in his briefcase. Jones is like, okay, that's how we're playing. Well, and when Jones sees Tom on the street, he's like, so let's talk about that espresso maker. Distraction, distraction, distraction. And Jones does a good job of, of covering up. But then when they go to the camera shop, guess who? His name is Eddie Carfax. Blows it again. Yeah. Eddie Carfax is a problem. <laughs> you really think he should be dead, don't you? I do. <laughs> well... They can all hang out at the Now and Zen health food store. There's some nice editing. In that there. is the dumbest name for us. St- yeah. So the the editing that they do with the picture and the scene and everything, this is a good job there. With with Barnaby looking out the door yeah. and noticing yeah. the name of the business yeah. across the way. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was well done, too. Because yeah. he's because I don't think he went arranged to meet Jones at that coffee shop because he knew that that's where the photo was taken. No. I think he just happens to realize it at that moment. Yep. Now, why they would both leave Luxton Deeping to go back to Coston to meet. I don't know. I don't. And then Joyce just happens picks. to be there yeah. because she's there every week. They almost knocked those old ladies down in the no. door. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> We're going to the hind at our usual table. And Joyce is like, Oh, so this is part of the investigation. Like, you're surprised? You didn't know that yet. Now, come on. Every moment with Seb and Philomena is just painful. 
to watch as it should be. But she, she's like, this person doesn't exist. And Seb is like, oh, no, I'm optimistic about my meals. <laughs> Phil is no idiot. No. It's like, you dump me for, you kind of dump me, but not really, for an imaginary person, and that's all I needed to know. I'm not going to see you anymore. Yes. And she's not mean about it. No. But it's like, that's it. So we go to the Golden Hind, which is... Actually, the recipe for this episode should be the appetizer that Burnaby enjoys. What do you get. think that was? The smallest piece of bread. Do you ever. think it was bread? Yes, I do think it was bread. And I think that's dill next to it. <laughs> Why is there a French restaurant in Luxembourg? I don't know. And isn't, like, wouldn't it be called something French? Yeah, the William Maurice suite. William Morris. Yes, I'd like to talk to the manager. Um, That bread is... Is ridiculous. Joyce is just so hungry all the time. <laughs> when the look that she gives the manager when Tom's like, no, we have to go. I thought the manager was going to be like, are you an abused wife? Do you, do you need help? Because he's like, we're out of here. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And she's so sad. She is. She's so hungry. <laughs> and they were going to give them a free dinner and everything. I know. We'll have to take you up on your offer some other time. She's like, ah, bah, ah, ah. <sighs> poor hungry Joyce. I was about to eat some food. Yep. Though, <laughs> I don't know how much of it. Yeah. If that was indicative of the portions, she was going to be hungry even after dinner. Yeah. We find out that the pictures are of Chantel. We find out that Imogen is Chantel, yeah. right? Nigel's awesome photo processing software that shows the most pixelated version of a photo I've ever seen. Even in a thumbnail, they are able to identify that it's Imogen with creepy Seb behind her. And now all the pieces are fitting together. Eddie Carfax might know. Okay, we're gonna go investigate Eddie Carfax, <laughs> finally. Him and his kitty pictures. Okay. <laughs> So we go to Eddie's house, and I just begin to scream. Eddie, whose work would be the most successful right now. Yeah. He would be like the king of memes. Yep. Creating those kitty pictures. He'd be on I Can Has Cheeseburger all day long. Yep. Yeah, he's got a wife and kids. He doesn't want to involve in this at all. Never mentioned before this point. No, we don't know what he does for a living. He has a nice house, too. I assume that he and his wife only have part of that farmhouse, but it's a beautiful house. It does. And he has a room of kitty pictures. Kitty. Kitty pictures. Kitty pictures. Cat pictures. He does. Cats in boots and two cute dachshunds. Yes. And a rabbit playing piano. Yes. So then Spellman goes to see Seb. Yeah. And I don't understand why he went, but you do. Okay. Why does Spellman go to see Seb? Spellman asks if... They do wedding pictures. And they say no. Well, Headley's they like, say we no. don't do that. But I think Seb contacts him and says, I'll do your wedding pictures. Bring your laptop and come into my dungeon. Yes. And I'll show you. Yes. That's, that's the story. That's the pitch. And Spellman is Spellman's that not stupid. the smartest guy in the world. No. Well, he's smart enough to have finagled himself into being in charge of this investigation when he doesn't do any investigating in general. But now he's suddenly... The lead investigator, which he's not part of Seb's plot, but if he was, he couldn't have placed himself much better. No. Because 
clearly he wants to sabotage Tom, sort yeah. of, kind of. Kind of. He at least doesn't want Tom to find out that he used his name at the hotel. Seb hits him with the, the mallet. Mm-hmm. That is like whammo. Yeah, he's lucky not to be dead. That's what you did to her. <laughs> and Barnaby is consoling to Spellman. He's not intimidated by Spellman. No. So then Jones is trying to reach Tom and he calls him on his cell and he gets a message that says the number you are calling knows you are waiting. Yes. And I've never heard this message no, before. It's, not, it's a British thing. Only. It is a British thing. And so I looked into it and I read a New York Times story from 1997 yeah. that was about the um, introduction of call waiting in the UK. Yes. And the UK's response to call what waiting. What year was this? 1997. Yeah. So... The reason why it's in the news is because of the 96 Telecom Act that allowed all these new features to happen in phones. Well, like 40% of homes in the U.S. already had call waiting at that point. Yeah. But only about 5% of homes in the U.K. had call waiting yes. in 97. And the reason why it wasn't very popular was because the Brits didn't like it. It's rude. That's what they thought. So this piece, I had to laugh reading this thing. They said, it's not a question of adapting. It's a question of etiquette to them, to the to British people. Call waiting represents the worst elements of American life. The rudeness, the impatience, the over-reliance on useless technology, the infantile desire for instant gratification. Yeah. And so British Telecom tried to make call waiting more palatable, it says. So in call waiting, you and I are on a phone call. And I hear a beep that says there's another incoming call. And I can swap over to that call if I want to. Yeah, you or hit, I can ignore hit the it. receiver down. Right. So at first, British callers were jolted by a recorded message repeated over and over that said, please hold the line while we try to connect you. So when you tried to call somebody, their line was already engaged, but they had call waiting. You would say, please hold the line while we try to connect you. But they didn't like that. No. They thought that was rude. So they changed it to a perfectly enunciated, perfectly intimidating BBC English saying, the number you are calling knows you are waiting. Which I think sounds more rude. Yeah. Like, they know you're calling, and they're not answering. They're not answering. <laughs> Which just, it kind of is more British, though, I think. It's just, like, phones and cameras especially, the two things in this episode have changed so much in 10 years. Yeah. Just in 10 years. Yeah. Will I be able to get to veggie meals? So can you explain to me then about this Seb and Spellman thing? Why does Seb think that putting the pictures of Imogen on Spellman's laptop will be justification for Barnaby having killed Spellman? Okay. I don't think he plans to keep them on the laptop. He says, Seb says the pics of Imogen on Spellman's computer will frame Tom. I guess the idea is that Spellman found out about these pictures and that Tom took them. No. No, not that there's any. And why does he leave film and SD cards in somebody's mouth? Like, that didn't need to happen ever. I would think Seb wouldn't want anybody to see those pictures of Imogen. You would think. Because they're demeaning. Yeah. And he wants to protect her. Ugh. Like, there's so many things he could have done that would have framed them better. Yeah. And to your point, so the, the whole way that Imogen is even introduced into this whole thing is that Nigel, so Eddie, okay, so Lionel and Steve 
want to take glamour photos of a half-naked lady. Yes. So they talk to Eddie. Eddie doesn't know anybody, but he knows that Nigel does because Nigel used to run this glamour place in Coston. So he goes to Nigel at Quick Picks and Nigel hooks them up with Imogen. Yep. So isn't Carfax and... Aren't Carfax and Nigel just as responsible as Lionel and Steve? Why does he not kill Eddie? Maybe they were next on Seb's list. I guess. And what did Seb think he was going to do with the body? Like, Tom broke into Madrigal's photo store and went to the basement and killed Spellman there? So many wrong things. It's all excused by, well, Seb is obviously crazy. Yep. So don't expect his motive to make sense. Well, he has that snoz, too. (laughs) Well, maybe you just don't get all the vitamins you need from veggie burgers and peas. I guess. Maybe he's chemically imbalanced. So Spellman ends the interview when it finds out about the golden hind. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want it on tape that he pretended to be Tom. I was still married. It was a joke. I'd had to drink. <laughs> I really respect you. No, no. I'm dizzy. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> And then Philly lists Lionel's house with Beauvoisin Realtors. Yes, he does. And the gets cam- a makeover, and she's off to London. The camera shop's for sale. She gets a mar- makeover, and we get to meet Marion. The Ooh. family that never was. That is the rudest freaking thing ever to say. Joyce is so easygoing. Oh, she's my God. wonderful. She's just like, this is not going to bother he me, a- because it bothers Tom way more. He was a grumpy so-and-so. <laughs> But I'm confused about, it it seems like Philly's kind of set, right? She's going to sell the house and go to London. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a good chunk of money. That house is beautiful and it's on a main street. I mean, that's not going to be a cheap place, right? But it's my understanding that Lionel and Marion were never divorced. So I'm surprised Marion's not showing up saying, where's my cash? Where's my half? Yeah. Or this is mine now. Yeah. Let's do Best Corpse, and then we'll do After the Credits. Okay. So, Best Corpse. Nice corpse. I can't decide. I cannot decide. Lionel's got the nose hair not moving and everything, but Steve's got a film roll in his mouth. And stuff comes out of his mouth after the film roll? Oh, it would. Like a little piece of film? And like spit? Doesn't move an inch. No, no. Both, the corpse of the week is both of them. Well, and Jones kind of lifts him off the keyboard. Yeah. And, and then George takes it out. And then Jones just kind of drops him. <laughs> drops him. <laughs> I watched both death, uh, like scene of the crime scenes again. And I was like, I can't choose. They're both fantastic. And one's digital and one's analog. No, they're, they're both, they're both choked by, by, uh, Straps. I know. So. I was just making a stupid joke. Oh. Really, they're both. Neither are digital because they're not being. They're not being strangled by hand. That yes. would be digital, right? Yes, that's true. With your fingers. After the credits, Philly goes off to be the most glamorous, well-established bookbinder ever. Yep. And never has to drink Crampola Chardonnay again. And has fun. Yeah, I think she will have fun. Yeah. Sonia and Headley sell the shop and are sort of sad and disgraced. Maybe they move into their retirement home. Maybe. Think they go to the Cedars. <laughs> Where Headley can annoy more people. Yeah. Marion Bell is off to California. Seb goes to jail. Martin is sad and alone. Yeah. 
he'll just focus on his career until he finds another woman to marry. What do you think happens to the rest of the pixel punks? I don't know. You think they inherit Steve's place? They might. Because <laughs> he, he's divorced. He doesn't have any kids. Tell you what, one thing that happens. Eddie gets no repercussions for all of his bad behavior. <laughs> he's got his feet in both sides. He's fixing old men up with young women for photo shoots. He's talking to girls at the photo thing like, oh, you should come up to my studio. I'll take a picture of your kitty. <laughs> no repercussions at all. He goes on to like found the, the best, the first internet photo cat site. Yep. <laughs> Does just fine for himself, apparently. <laughs> oh, it's an interesting episode. It is. I don't even have any bad movies. Yeah, I know. There were a couple of, of interesting roles that people have played. Like um, Richard Lintern, who plays Martin Spellman, is currently in Murders at White House Farm. Which is that? That's coming out on, on HBO, HBO about Max. that British real, a true yeah. crime. Um, Which has the other half of the cast is from Game of Thrones. Yeah, really. Uh, Nigel Anthony, who played Lionel Bell. He did voice acting for Hellgate London, the video game. Oh, okay. So Hellgate London is a game that Sarah and I played. I think we're the only two people in North America. Oh my gosh, it was so good. We played that game till we dropped, it basically. It was so good, yeah. Yep. So he did voiceover work for that. And Michael Geary, who plays Lee Peters, who's one of the pixel punks, yep. was in The Baker with Damian Lewis. Do you remember? Mm. Did you ever see that movie, The Baker? It's uh, Damian Lewis um, plays an assassin. Yes. Who's kind of run away from the city because he doesn't want to be an assassin anymore. And he opens a, a bakery. Yeah. Though he doesn't know how to bake. It's a cute movie. Yeah. And um, Damian Lewis, Damian Lewis is one of those guys who was young enough for Poirot, but he's not, he's too famous to be in Midsummer. Yeah, for sure. Now. Yeah. I love him. He's, in Band of Brothers, he is fantastic. Yeah. But other than that, nobody was in anything dodgy or weird or funny or, yeah. No. It's all just, I like this episode. I, I don't think the plot is the best part of it. No. I like this episode, too. It's interesting things to me. Cameras and digital and analog and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So what's our next one? What's season 10 episode 7? I'm kind of glad there's seven? not a moment where everybody goes, and analog and digital got together and had a baby. No. And was happy ever after. No. No. And they also don't have to say, well, what a relief, Tom. I was kind of starting to wonder about you. No. No one ever says that. No. All right. So tell us about our next episode. So our next episode is They Seek Him Here. Which is... Season 10, episode 7. Yes. Which is the episode of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh. We get a pretty violent death here. Yeah, yeah. And the cops do cop stuff where they, like, pay attention to local criminals and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the murders in this episode are so tame. They're, yeah. they're not the over-the-top murders that we really like in yeah. Midsummer. I'm, I'm willing to admit that. I yeah. like gruesome murders in Midsummer. We get Scarlet Pimpernel. We get flamboyant actors... Eating up scenery and yeah. It's a good one. They all are. Yeah. All right, maniacs. That's all for this week. 
that's it for this week. I'm gonna. I need to go and practice for the next Space Jam soundtrack. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's good. I gotta go rehearse. Okay. So. so keep those cards and letters coming. Remember, we're on all the Facebook and Reddit and Acorn subreddits and every place that we can get. Remember to like, subscribe, and uh, review if you can. The, those help us. But most importantly, tell somebody. Tell yeah. your friends. Tell you your know friends. people who like Midsummer. That's how yeah. most people find us is yeah. somebody who listens tells a friend that they should listen. And those are like the best fans we can get because yep. they genuinely like it. So yep. anyway, all right, that's it for this week. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. When Stillwell is looking, sorry, Spellman, not Stillwell. <laughs>